legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome, welcome to another Hello. Ladies Fridays on BFA. Hello. Some that. How are you? I am well. It's Friday, girl. Let's get into it because it's a busy Friday. The new cycle. It is. It's been cycling. Um, but, you know, <laughs> we're going to start off on a more serious note than we normally do because some news came down in the WNBA that was a little concerning. And... Um, a lot concerning, actually. Right. And yeah. so um, Las Vegas Aces guard Raquana Williams um, has been suspended right now from team activities um, and was charged um, with some domestic violence allegations. The Las Vegas, Vegas Aces put out a statement. They said they were made aware of domestic violence charges against a member of our team, Raquana Williams. As an organization, we condemn domestic violence of any kind. At this time, Raquanda Williams will be precluded from participating in team activities. Our thoughts are with the parties involved in this situation. We are currently gathering more information. And as such, we will not have further comments at this time. So that statement was issued on Wednesday um, and lots of discussions started to happen and um, to help us with this this topic and, and and what's going on and what the conversation is. It's Sabria Whitaker, founder of Grow the Game. Sabria, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me and thank you for talking about this as well. Yeah, cool. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, I'm sorry that we have to talk about this. And, you know, Sabria is so knowledgeable about everything, guys, when it comes to the W. So we, of course, want to talk about all the amazing things that are happening in the league, but we do have to address this. So, you know, let's get into it. Um, so Raquana Williams, um, report came out, she was charged, she was arrested and charged, um, nine charges, um, around domestic violence. And for me, it was like a shock. Um, I'm still new to covering this league, but I mean, it was, I, it was more of a shock, not because it was domestic violence charge, sadly, but it was a shock to me because of the nature of some of the allegations. Um, and then also, you know, she did have a, a, a past domestic violence situation where she was suspended um, for seven games by the league. And so now this is her second occurrence right now, the charges, it's a second um, allegation. So Sabria, just can you help us break this down? Like in terms of, I saw the reaction around the the, the league. I saw um, players tweeting. I saw WNBA Twitter um, tweeting about this, but I'm going to just ask you directly, one of the things when it comes to um, domestic violence between same-sex couples, I know there was like an issue before in the past where like Brittany Griner um, was was accused of something. And I've heard from people, they were like, well, we viewed that as like two women fighting each other. Um, this doesn't feel the same, but can you talk to us about the dynamics at play here? Yeah. Um, and I mean... 
I agree with them, honestly, just from the Brittany Griner situation before. They also involved another WNBA player. Um, so that changes things. And like you said, as, as someone that's in that community, as well as someone that is a, a victim of domestic violence, I definitely view them differently. Um, and especially, like you said before, this is the second incident where, you know, this player has been accused of these things. And before it was very similar, right? Arrest on felony charges um, after a violent incident involving a firearm. So I think this situation definitely needs to be handled differently. And from what I saw on WNBA Twitter, there is a call for something to happen. Um, but just like with anything else, the court of public opinion and the court of law are two different courts. And the collective bargaining agreement that the WNBA has is what is going to be considered the governing document on how the team, as well as Commissioner Kathy Engelbart, will respond to these allegations. What I found so interesting, and I'm happy you brought up the CBA, um, especially in addressing this. What I found interesting in reading into this was that previously when Raquana Williams had her incident when she was with the Los Angeles Sparks, uh, the WNBA and the WNBPA, the Players Association, did not have a joint agreement or a joint policy within the CBA. This was in 2019. Um, and it actually prohibited the WNBA from doing anything, um, essentially, and making decisions, right? So it was the Los Angeles Sparks that had to sit her out and versus the WNBPA, excuse me, the WNBA making her sit out. So now, as a result of that, and I don't know how many people know this, but the WNBA and this new CBA started to match what the NBA had did. So the NBA came together with the Players Association and created a domestic violence policy that they came together on. And essentially the, the turnout of that was it allowed the NBA to provide administrative leave and separate a player from their team. Whereas before, when this happened with Raquana Williams, she was not separated from her team from the WNBA. It was the team itself that had to make this decision. And so it is interesting to see now the WNBA having a, more power as a result of the CBA to do something. And I know that that's probably what WNBA, uh, WNBA Twitter and what you're talking about, um, Sabria, is like as far as like being able to do something and making a stand on this. But you're right. Raquana Williams is innocent until proven guilty. And so court of law and court of public opinion are two different things. Yeah, one Absolutely. of the things that I thought, um, or that was different also with this case versus uh, the Brittany Griner um, and Gr Brittany Griner and Glory Johnson case, you know, when it happened, was that in that situation, at least the police indicated that they couldn't actually identify um, like that someone was an actual abuser in the situation. Um, and so if they can't say, and it looks like both parties are involved, you know, they charge both parties. Based on the reports right now, it seems cl clear cut that um, Raquana was the abuser, at least that's how she's being charged. So is that the only thing that makes it different in terms of like, this domestic violence case or are there any other differences like that we should be aware of that others may not? Sabria? Um, 
Well, I mean, like you said, um, the reports that I read and the articles that I read, it said that the Justice of Peace, Rebecca Sachs, noted that the charges here, in this case, stem from acts that police said occurred over an extended period of time. So I think mm-hmm. that alone, in combination with the fact that this is, um, you know, William's second offense with similar circumstances involving um, an incident with their partner definitely changes things um, as well as, you know, the charges themselves, right? Like nine counts, five of which are felony charges and strangulation is a very serious act. Like three counts of domestic battery by strangulation speaks to, and Natalie, I know you know just what your legal background as well, like that speaks to intent very differently than maybe some other I guess, acts that may, you know, occur in a domestic, you know, situation like this. So I think the strangulation um, as another level and just the charges, felony charges, multiple counts stemming from two to 15 years, depending on the count, plus four misdemeanor charges. This is very serious. And it's not the WNBA's first serious um, incident like this, but like you all have been saying, the fact that they have teamed up to create something in the CBA where it's, you know, a, a joint policy on domestic and intimate partner violence, which is even separate from the section on player arrests, I think is going to set a precedent, you know, for this league and hopefully other leagues to follow. Yeah, oh, oh, I was going to say it, it feels very violent this this um these charges and i just i want to just make clear the reason i i keep referring back to Brittany grinder because that's not the only incident there have been other incidences as you pointed out is i saw people tweeting and sort of coming like oh you guys want to give Brittany grinder a pass for what happened in the past with her um but they're very different situations and that's why it's important to understand the facts and circumstances and how they differ. So I, I that's why I'm harping on it and I just want to make sure that I'm reflecting that that correctly, Sabria. And also, um, this incident allegedly, according to reports, lasted about an hour. Right. And that right. is important as well. Right. I want to, um, I mean, Nat, to go back to your point just now, that's a really great point. Uh, we talked also about like Shamik Holdsclaw and Jennifer Lacey, also two WNBA players, but at the time Holdsclaw was retired. So there wasn't an impact on her playing career. Um, and, you know, in, in the way that that played out. And I think that that's what's interesting or, or going to be very unique about this situation with Williams is seeing the impact. Sabria, I want to ask you about again, impact on the aces. I feel, and Nat feels this way too, as you can see from, you know, the way that we're looking at this, the aces, uh, are a walking just juxtaposition, as Nat put here. They have had a perfect season almost on the court. They're having a historic run in the, their ability to, to win, play together, uh, and, and just play really great basketball on top of having one of the most visible faces, uh, of the league. You would imagine that this is a perfect storm for them to be the poster child of the WNBA, yet they started their season with controversy uh, and they continue now with this situation. How does this imp- a situation like this impact, you think, the brand of the Aces, um, but also the team, the players, and, and, and them kind of reconciling with what their teammate have been, has been charged with? 
Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of layers to that as well. So she was already out, I want to say, with a back injury. So that's right. It it so it it's not going to, in my opinion, affect the court play um, yeah, no. so much as to say. But like you said, they are coming off of a championship season and are trying to go back to back. And everyone talks about how hard it is to go back to back. They've been number one at the standings, but also, like you said, they started the season with controversy. And there were some tweets that like they have been trying to do with the Brittany Griner situation, have been conflating it with, you know, comments aimed at coach Becky Hammond for that other incident involving, you know, former player now LA Sparks player, Dierica Hamby. And, and I think the brand is under a microscope, the way Mm -hmm. that they handle it from players to front offices, to the social media accounts, people are looking at it and because they're been, you know, they've been on top for the second season in the row and they are the defending champions. They're already essentially looked at as the villain, right? Like people are going to root for the underdog essentially anyway. So people are looking for any reason to, you know, trash or, or put any negativity towards this team. So I think that they have to be really, really careful about the way they handle this, which in my opinion should be very different than the way they handled um, press related to the, the D'Erica Hamby and coach Becky Hammond suspension, Mm. because that was not talked about enough in my opinion. So I'm also looking at how national media is going to handle this when we talk about, you know, the halftime shows and WNBA countdown and things like that of how they're going to handle that. I think that's also very important because it's a Las Vegas aces issue when it comes to the brand, as well as the WNBA. Yeah. I'm definitely seeing people call into question their culture. So I think, like you said, their response is going to be really important. Um, And that would, you know, it's not totally them, right? Because the league is going to like weigh in on this. But um, one, what kind of punishment do you anticipate coming? Um, That's first. And then second, do you think we will see Raquana Williams play again in the WNBA? That is such a complicated question because again going back to the cba it outlines what is to be taken into consideration um and the factors and who the decision maker is and so because of the severity of the situation what we talked about with the strangulation the fact that it's a second offense and felony charges like all of those things and really that only matters if raquana isn't convicted essentially pretty swiftly and then that is no longer a question they're just going to have to serve the sentence um but i do think that it has to be way more than the 10 game suspension from the previous offense um i think it should be about getting help um and not just for her but everyone in the league because you never know what all the players are going through on either end of a situation like this so I'm hoping that it it is one that makes sense. It's one that sets a precedent moving forward. Um, but in my opinion, no, I don't think that we may see her again, just because of the other incidents and how a lot of people felt like it's been swept under the rug and everyone's looking at us and we've set the standard for so many things. I think that is going to be taken into consideration um, as well. I think it's worth saying as and making sure that we call out 
the the charges that Raquana Williams had in 2019 were dropped in 2020, and that the WNBA cannot impose any sort of punishment for things once they've not been found convicted or or the charges were dropped. So that is why that ultimately ended up playing out that way. Um, but you're right. If, depending on how this plays out in court, that will ultimately tell us, you know, the answer there. Um, yeah, this is a very complicated, complicated thing. And just like you said, the WNBA fairly or unfairly being put under a microscope for doing the right thing in these cases uh, is interesting. And last thing I'll say too, the NBA's domestic uh, violence policy does include educational and career, like counseling courses as a part of their, their policy. Uh, uh, the WNBA took that into consideration as well for their new CBA. So that should be hopefully something that's offered to uh, Raquana uh, Williams and others that experience this again. Sabria, thank you for joining us, for your honesty, for your vulnerability. Um, yeah, this one's a hard one to discuss. We appreciate you. Hopefully the next conversation is one that's a, a different tone. Thank you yeah. for joining me again today. Thanks for having me. Always. Thanks you, Sabria. Go follow Sabria. You're going to learn something. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Well, I mean, in every statistic, they outperformed the Netherlands. But yeah. the problem is, is we like to see our women's team dominate. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. And we don't feel comfortable unless we are up by two or three goals. Yeah. And that's just not going to be the way of the future because yeah. other teams are getting better. The other federations are putting so much more money in their programs. Mm. Um, and credit to Netherlands. They, they played an amazing first half. And yeah. every single team has to figure out how to define themselves yeah. in every world championship. Well, spoken like the pro she is, but I really appreciated this from Abby because look, the we're gonna talk about the 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 US women's team because they're incredible. But I love what she said and pointed out the fact that because I did, I saw a lot of like worriness and nerves, you know. This mm-hmm. I mean, this was the first time I want to say it's been in 14 years that the US has even been down and had to come since back. Since 2011. That's right. Yeah, since Brazil in 2011. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was like new territory for them. And to me, I think we should be applauding them for their resolve and resilience and coming back, you know, because um, they know they know the expectations on this team. But instead, I felt the discourse afterwards was a lot of, uh, oh, they're in trouble. They should have mm-hmm. been up by more goals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like people just want the U.S. to dominate. And some of that is that American exceptionalism. And we understand what this team right. has done in the past before. We get it. We get it. 
But in this yeah. situation, like I also think we have to start giving credit to other teams. They're good. They're better. Like Abby said. And so I was so happy that she pointed that out. Now, look, let me tell you something, Lindsay. Woo! I loved it. I loved it all. I loved yes. everything. I loved everything that happened in that game. Like her passion came out, you know, she was shoving, you know, right, like right. she she got heated, you know, and, <laughs> and then she had a header. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how right, you respond. Right. I loved it. I loved it. I love that passion, Zena. I agree with you all the way through. And I think it's also no, like notable to say Lindsay Horan is the only one on that team that played in Europe. And there is something to be said about European football in comparison to American football. It is, it's more physical. It is more aggressive. And you could see that in the way that she went up against the underdog. Like she was not with the- Her teammate. Insert, uh, right, her, her teammate, teammate, exactly. She was, she was not, she was not with the inter, you know, insert expletive. She was not with it. She was, but you know, of course they, made up at the end and we could talk about what that looked like but even before that yeah, this whole please. game was re reflective of what you're talking about these teams are getting better and it's not just what abby was talking about in terms of investment into the clubs which is huge right you're getting smarter minds in there you're getting better coaches and you're getting more resources but people are watching their film and it was so evident that netherlands watched their film they knew Sophia Smith, who already had two goals against uh, Vietnam. They knew Trinity Rodman, who is an offensive threat, period. And Alex Morgan were going to be critical to be able to advance the ball and also to score. And they shut them down in the first half. The U.S. looked discombobulated. They looked like they didn't know what they were doing. And that was what was so interesting about why, you know, Coach Flacco um, and Donofsky was saying, oh, well, you know, I started the team, the, the same 11 from the Vietnam team because they had they were in good rhythm. It's like they didn't look like they were in good rhythm. And the right. Netherlands completely disrupted that. Well, look, he only had what, like one substitution for the game, which ended up yes, being a key. And that was a whole nother thing. But so that was a big conversation around it. And look, I look, there is merit to saying that the U.S. team has to play better because um, there were a number of goals that they just didn't complete. You know, you brought up Rodman. She had one that like, you know, you know and, and so there were so many of them, right? But mm -hmm. um, I also think there's like, what's also just sort of being overlooked is like, a lot of these players are new to playing with each other on this stage. And there's a chemistry that has to develop. And that was also something that Abby pointed out later in that, you know, that interview, we didn't interview. have the full thing. But she's like, the chemistry grows. You need like six, seven games. It's a number of games. Mm -hmm. And you kind of build as you progress. Like this is still the early stages. So, um, and Netherlands are a worthy opponent. We knew that coming into they this are. game. So there are some who say, well, look, he didn't want to do a lot of substitutions because he wanted to go with the players he knew he could trust, you know? And that's why, like, he even got certain players out early in the last game. They were up, you know, because, yeah. you know, like an Alex Morgan, who's a little older, not as young, you know, left like Sophia in, but you want to get them out so you can play Alex Morgan, you know, that, right. that whole match. So, look, you know... um, can you always play better? Can you always do better? Of course, of course right? Um, but I think like, I, I just think they, they show tremendous resolve. And I was all about Lindsay and, 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 and the back and forth. And I just, you know, afterwards, there were like a lot of tweets and pictures showing that they had like made up and like everything. They hugged. Good. 
Right. That's great. Okay. I don't care though. I mean, like, yes, fine. (laughs) They're they're all good. I don't want to say that I don't care, but it's just like, I felt like there was, I saw more of these pictures before I could even find anything with the shoving and the pushing and the arguing with the ref. They want to make it seem so nice. Girl, right, exactly. I love the passion. I love the fight. I love the aggression that women are able to demonstrate. This is exactly what we were talking about the last time we were on. It's not a tea party in these games. This is World Cup. This is representing your country. This is blood, sweat, and tears coming out to fruition on the field. And you only get this every four years. We don't need hugs. We don't need that. We want the passion that we're talking about. It's okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Nobody's going to get mad at that. We love it in the men's side, the men's arena. We can love it here too. And so, yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, we didn't need all that hugging. Lindsay Orrin, like, you keep going, girl. You keep going with that energy because we're behind you. We're supporting you. We love it. In fact, I don't even want to see the friendly stuff. Like, until this is over, we ain't buddies. That's how it's supposed to be. Yes. That's how it's supposed to be. That's competition. That is what yeah. it is. And you, uh, you think about the number one competitor, uh, period, right? Everyone says Kobe or Jordan, right? Between those two in terms of basketball, you know, we love talking basketball. They weren't friends with you, right? Exactly. They were in your face. Like you ain't nothing until after the game. Then they might, you know, talk to you, give you some pointers, tap you on the butt, whatever it is. But like, they were not cool with you on the court. And that's just exactly. what it was. So I'm I'm with it. I love it. And uh, I hope we keep seeing it. I think it is early stages, just like you said. And I think that's why everyone's so worked up about it. But just just the point you're making about the resolve and the resilience, it is also still early stages. And they were able to come back uh, at a time where it looked like they might get their first defeat in the first in the first early rounds. So I, I am also proud of them. Uh, and I'm also I'm going to just go ahead and say I'm proud of the Netherlands. And I'm proud for every team that has been uh, has been killing it, including a team that you have a connection to. Well, yeah, but before we before we get to my homeland, because I want to talk, uh-huh. talk about I want to talk about Nigeria first, because they did. Oh, OK. Some, OK. Some, some really um, they pulled off what people are calling an upset. Big, big, big yeah. upset. Um, and that was tremendous for the mm-hmm. one of the ho- co-hosts. Australia. Right. So, I mean, it was a big deal. Big deal. Um, to add some context to that, too, like this group, Group B was considered the group of death. And for those of you that aren't watching the World Cup uh, over and over again, these group stages is basically you're just trying to get out of the group. Top two advances out of the, the, the first round. So group of death is basically a group where anyone can come out. Anyone. And that's what Group B is about. And you're looking across the co-host of Australia. And also they've got some really talented players on their roster um, that are world renowned, not just good for the World Cup, but like across all the leagues. And so for Nigeria to come out with the energy that they came out and they've been coming with the energy, they're proud as to, um, but they they really took advantage of Australia making mistakes and, and mixing things up. Um, their star players weren't looking like stars and it, and Nigeria ultimately looked like monsters against them, um, scoring two goals in eight minutes. I mean, that was insane. So I, again, give props to Nigeria, another team uh, ranked 40th, 
right, coming into this. This is this is not a top team, but they were yeah. top caliber. They were possibly, you know, ca- capable of coming out of this group. And now they're in the top two and looking like they can make it to the round of 16. And be the team ranked in the top 10. I mean, it's tremendous. Right. While making some history, Ashwala, her goal that eventually mm. sealed it for the team. Um, first, first African to score three goals in in the World Cup, like in separate, you yes. know, matches. So, and women's World Cup. Yeah, this here. I mean, their their fourth women's World Cup. Yes, fortieth here. Um, their ranking, like you noted, and Australia's tenth, tenth. Mm-hmm. And they, mm-hmm. you know, that that's tremendous. Um, one of the things I loved was when she scored that goal. The celebration. Oh, uh, yes. in general. How the mm-hmm. team celebrated. But I loved her celebration. She took off her shirt. Now, okay, like mm-hmm. she's still wearing a sports Becky bra. Becky Ham style. Yep. Okay. She, she's wearing a sports bra. Women work mm-hmm. out sometimes in sports bra. Like she wasn't, <laughs> you know, she's wearing something underneath that you could just go out in most places and see. Well, apparently right. her father didn't like it. She put that on her Instagram post. Like her father didn't like it. But there are others commenting on it. I saw men, you know, and look, some of this is cultural. Some of it's cultural. Mm-hmm. But in right. general, like... I, what I loved about it is that she posted a picture where her shirt's still off saying my dad definitely isn't happy. This is unapologetic. This is defiant. I love it. Yes. happy about it. And then she still went and she posted the picture. I mean, look at that. I mean, she's so badass. I love it. Yes. They, this team is swaggy to me. They, yes, they, um, they, they just have a confidence about them. Like, after when they're in the locker room and they're dancing, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, I love it because it also just represents like our culture. And when I say our culture, mm-hmm. I'm saying black culture. That's with all, right. every, you know, across the diaspora. Right. Exactly. And it's like, that's whether you're Jamaican, Nigerian, black American, like you always see us, we're dancing, we celebrate always. stuff. And I, I love to see that joy from them. And there's a confidence, like I said, you know, they're unapologetic and like just the way they they move on the court, the tweets they mm. post, you know, like yep. they're not apologizing is, for being here. They're like, we no. belong here. And I love right. that. Right. And I this is why we saw even in the men's World Cup when Morocco was coming climbing through the ranks as the Cinderella team. Anytime you do see a team coming out of the African continent, there is a joy around it because you know that 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 program probably didn't get the same resources or probably had a a bit of a harder time getting to that position or whatever it may be. And Nigeria women's team is not exceptional or accepted to that rule. They have had their their struggles and their challenges. And so the (laughs) fact that they're always finding joy and being able to celebrate the good things that they've been able to do, even that first game against Canada, it was a a scoreless game. They tied against uh, Canada. They drew against Canada. But that if you would see the way that they celebrated that, they screamed for joy around that. And anybody else would have been like, okay, well, you know, you didn't score, but you you got a point, which is great, which is huge. And they celebrated with such just joy, just pure joy. And I think that that is uh, what you want to remember when you're looking at these world competitions, whether it's the Olympics, whether it's the World Cup, whether it's these big um, tennis tournaments. Like you appreciate people recognizing the work that they've done to get to where they are and just relishing in that. And I think that that's what I love most about 
these um, teams from African continents with with black teams or black members, they relish the 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 the, the game and the experience um, so much, and it's fun. It's fun to watch. Well, yeah, you brought up a team that I love that is dear to my heart. Y'all yes. know I'm not shy about my Jamaican culture, but Jamaica, the reggae girl. Yeah, right? I love that name. Love that name. Um, not happy I, about what they did. <laughs> I know you're not. I know you're not because they earned a historic draw against your team, France. Mm-hmm. Um, and here to help us talk about that and some other stuff, we have Callie, Lawson Freeman. Welcome to Hi. the show. Sports. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, Thank you so much for having me. Oh, of, of course. course. I mean, listen, you writing stories about um, my homeland? Yeah, yeah. Jamaica, <laughs> I got to have you on. No, that's not the only reason. But um, uh, I just, this was incredible. And you you wrote about it. So can you talk a little bit about why this was so significant for Jamaica? Yeah, I mean, I think you both spoke to this already. The thing that's so beautiful about the World Cup or the Olympics or any of these major events is that they represent something so much larger. You know, Jamaica came in ranked number 43rd in the world. And in 2008, they didn't even have a team due to lack of funding. Mm-hmm. And you see the meaning of that when they're on the pitch before the match starts against France and their national anthem is playing and you can see the emotion on their faces. Like you feel that meaning. And I think sports in general always kind of represent cultural and societal realities, but on the world stage, it just feels so much more profound. And so I think after that match, people probably weren't expecting, you know, Jamaica to defend as well as they did. And then Haiti went and put up a really, 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 really good game against England. People weren't expecting them, I mean, they lost that game, but it was so much more competitive than people thought it would be. So after both of those matches, you saw all these headlines about the gap closing, you know, between these yeah. more marginalized teams um, and the teams that we're so used to see, you know, be, we're so used to seeing be competitive. And so while I think that that sentiment is so important to acknowledge that the gap is closing, I also think it's important to acknowledge that these advancements don't just come by happenstance. These are very like intentional hard fought efforts that are being made. Like you look at um, Sadella Marley, she raised $300,000 for this team um, when she heard about them. And what was that? 2014, I think is when she even learned that Jamaica had a team. So she did that because of her love of soccer and sold in her by her father. And even now the team is still fighting. They just penned an open letter to the Jamaican Football Federation about, um, you know, funds not being dispersed, it's agreed, like they keep on fighting. And so that's what I really admire. I loved writing about it because I think that that type of fight, it moves you, you know, when it comes to these types of stakes. Yeah, Akali, I mean, they you, said, oh, go ahead. oh, I'm sorry. I was just saying they said they were keeping their focus despite all these other interruptions that keep coming up and that that is like another remarkable remarkable part of their story the fundraising and crowdfunding that they did to get here i just want to remind people that of all of the countries jamaica is the smallest population of them with only three million people so that they are here on this stage 
um, and got their first point, even if they didn't score a goal and holding um, France, a, a top team. Can we get those standings again? Um, holding France, I know this is so painful for Zena to hear, to a draw. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just remarkable and I'm, I'm so proud. I'm so proud of the reggae girls. I'm sorry, Zena, I did interrupt you before. No, 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 it's okay. I, I love what you're talking about, Callie, in terms of um, that fight and being able to fight. I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize. I know it's something that I didn't realize. Um, having been born in France, and yes, Allez les Bleus, like I'm always cheering on for them. Uh, they are one of those teams in the in the world that do have a federation, that are treated like athletes. And don't get me wrong, the U.S. women's national team still had to fight for their equality uh, in comparison to the men's national team, but they still have a player federation. That is not a given across the world. Not every single country has a government entity that recognizes their status as players and then thus provides the resources of, of, in accordance with that. And I think that was a new thing for me to learn through the Jamaican team and, and seeing this World Cup come together was how many teams were fighting just to be recognized by their governments to get support. And I don't want to uh, discount the, the name you mentioned that raised that $304,000, that's Bob Marley's daughter. That's not just some yeah. random Marley. That's Bob Marley's daughter uh, coming to, to use her celebrity, but also just her power and her influence and her status to help them come together. Like, when do you think this is going to change that countries are, are finally going to support these women's teams specifically and give them the credit they deserve? I mean, that's something that even Sadella spoke about. I read um, an interview that she did with CNN saying that even now that, you know, they made their World Cup debut in 2019 and, like I said, fought to get there, they still struggled mm. to get sponsors. And people were telling them, like, you don't make money. You're just women. Like, you're not the men's team. Why would we, in, you know, invest money into into you guys? Like, she said that herself. And so I think that it's going to continue to be an uphill battle and i i hate that but i think that's just the yeah. reality that we face right now and it's unfortunate and you see it even with um jamaica's next opponent uh panama it's the same thing this is their world cup debut and it's going right. to be similar battle for them yeah i'm really hoping that jamaica can win that without Bun mm -hmm. shaw it's a huge loss for them that she won't be in this next match but listen they're still in good spirits despite all of the challenges that keep arising for them. Um, and look, like I just, I also want to just shout out the Philippines because I mean, there's just yes. so many historic teams, so many historic teams, or I should say teams making history. And we can't yes. spend time talking about each one of them enough. But I mean, look at the, look at the elation, the joy mm -hmm. after right. scoring the first ever goal for your country. I mean, incredible. Um, and also, also ratings are up, ratings yes. are up, and ticket also sales are ticket up. sales ratings are, are up. up. Right. So I this mean, is... oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Dina, no, this is all no, you. I, I know you love the ratings and tickets. So I, go ahead. I think to me, it's money, right? It's just exactly what Callie was talking about is if you can't get sponsors behind it, if you can't get money behind it, how is the game going to grow? It needs investment. And the fact that Wednesday's contest with the, we'll go back to the women's national team against the Netherlands. That was the number one women's national team game watched ever of US, um, of, of the US team. This is, um, this was the game that, uh, Fox Sports put on. They said that they put a group stage match record for the most watched women's World Cup game 
period, in the group stage matches. Um, they also said 1.165 million viewers on Telemundo uh, and 6 million. Uh, over six million on the um, on Fox Sports. I mean, this is crazy. This is this is what we saw during uh, the the NCAA Women's Tournament. This is now what we're seeing here. This is what we're seeing in the WNBA. All of these things are domino effects for more sponsors, more support. Exactly what Callie's mentioning as what's what it's going to take to get these teams uh, the support that they deserve. And they just hit the 1.5 million uh, tickets sold in Australia. There is a whole thing around the fact that Australia and Netherlands are host countries and Australia is selling significantly more tickets than than that. Excuse me, New Zealand, not Netherlands, New Zealand. But 1.5 million tickets is incredible. And it it, it surpasses what they've done before. So it's great. And we're going to celebrate it. We're going to celebrate that. Like we said, viewership is up, ticket sales are up, and we're going to celebrate that because give it the proper marketing, put them on TV give it the attention and promotion and we see what the results are, right? Like stop telling us that women's sports are inferior. They're not, we just have to invest in them. But while I wanna keep talking about the woman all day, cause I'm a little biased uh, and I wanna keep talking about real football, we should maybe talk about American football. Cause there was some news also in the NFL. So no, <laughs> I, I'm playing around guys. We love all sports on this show. so. Big day in the NFL yesterday. Lots yeah. of what well, seemed what it was like a big day because it's like, oh my gosh, injuries and all this stuff. And then it was like some drama. We'll get to all that. So, Callie, it must have been a busy day for you. I'm sure you were busy writing, but I think the news of the day yesterday was um the injuries. And it was it was Joe mm-hmm. Burrow and Jalen Ramsey. But let's start with Joe Burrow because um he went down. Um, you know, it was a, a injury that occurred and it wasn't um um, a calf injury. We know we now know that it's a calf strain, but at the time when it happened, um, like you just saw a video of him on the, you know, on the field, and then he just started like limping, went over, hopping on one leg, and he goes down, right? And so this is the thing I hate the most about Twitter, the Twitter doctors. Everyone's initially reacting, oh, it looks so bad, it's so severe, you know, just all, you know, can we just wait? Can we just wait? Right and find out what is going to happen. And so thankfully it did come out. It seems like a major crisis was averted in terms of what the nature of the injury is. Um, There he is being carted off. So, you know, we wish Joe Burrow well, but I know this is not the best thing for him, right? In terms of not being able to, 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 to finish out camp. This has been a thing that he's been concerned with in the past before, right, Callie? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just after day one of training camp, he was talking about just how focused he was on this time because last offseason he had appendicitis. He had to get surgery to have that removed, and that took a chunk of his his time away from the field. And then you can look to his, like, introduction to the league. Um, that 2020 offseason, there were no preseason games because of COVID. So some of this is, like, has nothing to do with anything that's in his control, but it's just been his experience in the league so far that his off seasons don't tend to go uninterrupted. And some people might be like, okay, well, he's not missing regular season time. It doesn't matter. But I think it does like that time is, is crucial to kind of like building connections and, and just like growing together as a team. And so he keeps getting incomplete versions of that. Obviously he's a top quarterback. It's not hindering him in any way. You know, he's, on his way to probably a crazy deal coming up soon and like 
it's this injury will not set him back in terms of that but i do hate this for him in terms of just the way his off seasons keep getting interrupted and i also think that like you mentioned with the twitter reaction we kind of lost a little bit of the messaging so i think it's like we saw him on the field go down and people immediately just assumed that the injury was going to be really severe then it comes out that it's a calf strain and people are like oh that's nothing he's fine and like it's not nothing a calf strain could still mm -hmm. be something really not good i mean you look back i mean i hate to like kind of go between sports but like if you look at kevin durant with the warriors for example like he strained his calf in I the knew 2019 you were gonna go there. I, knew it. I had to i had to came back yeah. towards achilles you know what I mean? I mean, he missed nine games, I think it was. So it's like, it's not nothing. It's it's a little bit concerning. Obviously, he'll be fine. And I'm not concerned about that. He's a tough player. And so I just, I don't think we should chalk it up to whatever. But I do think, you know, it's it's something. Well, look, we know they're going to be careful with him. He's their, their, <laughs> their biggest asset, their most important asset. So um, right. we know they're going to be careful with bringing him back. But I do expect for us to see him back um and Jalen Ramsey also experienced an injury um that one a little bit more serious meniscus and um he's having surgery today I don't even know if it's completed I haven't seen if there's any been any more updates but can you talk to us a little bit about that yeah, I mean, right before I logged on, I saw the update, which is that he won't be back until December. And so that is about, wow. I think, what he expected when he tweeted after the injury um, was kind of diagnosed and we were clear that it was a meniscus. He was like, that postseason push is going to be different. And it's really yeah. our, that end of season push, he said. Um, and yeah. it is going to have to be different because the Dolphins traded for him and that was something mm -hmm. that he wanted specifically. You know, this was supposed to be kind of his not prove it year because he's arguably like the best CB that we have in the league. You know, I, I think a lot of people would make that argument, but last season was tough, you know, for the Rams. And so I think this was his time to show like, I'm not washed. I still got it. And I'm going to be a difference maker on this Dolphins defense. And so for him to be hindered from that, it's so unfortunate. And I think honestly, I don't, I don't know exactly I mean, I think the Dolphins do have options to turn to, though. They have Keon Crossan, they have Cam Smith, but I just, I don't know how much of a splash they'll make compared to what um, he, Ramsey was going to be able to offer this season. So it's disappointing. And what's so tough yeah. is that it felt like the Miami Dolphins were just turning a corner, right? Especially after last season. And everyone knows, except, you know, what was going on with Tua Tagliova, but there was progress being made under their new leadership. And this was, you know, they got the pieces together in the off season. There was a lot of excitement around that. So it does feel like a little bit of a gut punch uh, to that, that uphill climb that they're making, but wishing him a, a speedy recovery and obviously coming back when he's ready. For sure. Um, definitely. Now, before we let you go, Callie, I just, there was a bunch of drama yesterday. And to me, uh -huh. it was just like self-created like drama for no reason because Sean Payton just woke up and he chose violence. He chose violence. <laughs> <laughs> like he just I don't know. He wants all the smoke and I don't understand why. I don't <sighs> understand. But he he spoke <laughs> he did an interview and he everyone was a target. You know, Hackett last year's Broncos coach, um the Jets, 
Uh, everybody was a target. Everybody was a target mm-hmm. here, and I don't, I don't understand why this man woke up and chose violence. Callie, could you shed so any more light on this? You know, I thought the same thing when I read that interview. I was like, wait a second, did this man know he was on the record? And what caused this? You know, why is he coming right. this hard? But then I stopped, and I just remembered how terrible the Broncos actually were last season. Um, it was bad. 4-11 record, Russell Wilson's worst career season. Um, wow. Fans will remember a lot of those embarrassing moments. You had fans, like Broncos fans in the stadium, helping the players on the field by counting down the play clock so that they could avoid delay of game penalties. Like there were so many issues on a coaching front. But like Sean Payton said, it's not just, you know, a coaching issue. Nathaniel Hackett has moved on from the Broncos. He's joined the Jets. And so the Jets ended up kind of catching some strays because he felt like the Jets did the offseason wrong before last season. And he doesn't want the Broncos to do that this season. And so, or no, actually, I think it's that the Jets did, are doing the offseason wrong right now. And that's what the Broncos did last season. That's, mm-hmm. let me correct that. So right now there's so much, um, media buzz surrounding the addition of Aaron Rodgers. You know, you have hard knocks coming up. And then it was the same way for the Broncos last offseason. They had added Russell Wilson. And it did seem like there was a lot of fostering and things like that that needed to be done. And so Sean Payton was just saying, like, we're not going to do that. Everything that the Broncos did last season, we're not doing this season. And the Jets are doing it right now. So I, in a retrospect, and you look at it all in the grand scheme, it's not that crazy, like the way that he came. Um, but I did like, I really liked um, Coach Saleh's resp- response. He said, if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. So period. 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 Yeah, Sean Payton gave weird vibes for that. It, it was like being in a, <laughs> like you left your ex-husband and you moved on to a new husband, but you're still talking about old family. Like this ain't your business anymore. Like let that go. Let that be over there. For whatever reason, the Jets caught strays and they were just kind of like, okay, cool. Uh, this is my house. Handle yours, right? Like pay, like pay, <laughs> The business that might like, excuse me, mind the business that pays you is what I think. Like, stay over here. But I get what you're saying in terms of like what he's trying to set up, but weird way to put it. <laughs> A weird way. I do think that it's worth weird. noting, like in the metaphor that you used, um, like it's there's a weird connection there because it's like obviously Nathaniel Hackett has moved on and right. Sean Payton doesn't know him. Like they don't know each other. Sean Payton that acknowledges is true. Like, we have they don't <laughs> But very, I think there's um, something. Oh, I was just gonna say, I think there's something to the fact that Nate Hackett was a big reason that Aaron Rodgers wanted to go to the Jets. You know what I mean? And so it's like mm. that's why they're this big off-season topic. And so maybe that's right. one reason why he felt the need to to throw some shots because like Hackett <laughs> went from the Broncos, where it was a whole bunch of media buzz. Now he's with the Roger or with the Jets, whole bunch of media with, buzz again. Right. So maybe he felt like he needed to get that off his chest. Uh, it's funny. very odd to me. So we will see what happens. <laughs> Callie, thank you so much for joining us. We definitely will have you back again. Take care. Thank Thanks, you. Callie. <laughs> At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 
21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. So Jalen Brown, as we know, received the richest deal in, in, in NBA history. But when he finally did his presser to talk about it, he talked about generational wealth and bringing Black Wall Street to Boston. And I wasn't expecting all of that at the, the, the presser. So, you know, shout out to Jalen for thinking in this way. Um, it's clearly something he's about. But what were your thoughts on it, Zena, and what he had to say? It was incredibly impressive, uh, the way that he thought, thought it through, presented it to the press, and uh, also really impressive that, you know, he gets this $304 million contract, and immediately his first instinct is to do something and announce something around the community. What I found interesting was this notion uh, that society has, it's kind of subliminal, that the second that a big-time athlete, you know, gets a significant paycheck, there's an expectation that they do something good with it. And it's an expectation you don't see with other executives, right? You don't see uh, the expectation that when someone gets promoted to the CEO of a company and they're making X, Y, and Z millions and millions of dollars a year, that they should be doing something in the community. Yet, if we don't see LeBron doing good things, we don't see Jalen Brown doing good things, we don't see Steph doing good things, or athletes in general doing good things, there's this judgment against them. And I say executives learn from these athletes, right? This is his first instinct is to make his presser not about, yeah, I deserve it. This is what I'm going to do for the team. Da, da, da. His instinct immediately was, I want to help my community. And I, I commend that. And I hope corporate America uh, should lean into this because there's people making way more money than him not doing the level of or not planning to do the level of philanthropy that he is. So kudos to Jalen. Jalen for president. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. We also got some welcome news about Bronny James. LeBron James sent out a, sh- a thank you to the people, thanking everyone for prayers. Um, but he, he got released from the hospital and it seemed like everything was successful. So that was that was welcome news. That was yeah. that was welcome news to see. Um, and also. You know, it was good. I know there was some reporting that came out after that. Like, he was conscious also when he went. So even though he mm-hmm. went into cardiac arrest, he was conscious when he went to the hospital. Right. He got out of the ICU relatively early. And now he's released and gone home and continuing his recovery. So that was great news. But then we heard some not so great news today, Zena. TMZ. Yeah, TMZ. God, like, shame on you as a platform. Releasing the chilling phone call uh, in which, you know, Bronny was called for for help. We don't need to hear that. This is not entertainment for us. This is someone's life at stake. And it's really unfortunate that they thought they needed to release that. And I I, I don't want to say sorry to the LeBron family. I don't think they'll care if it comes for me. But TMZ should apologize because that's not necessary at all. No, it's very distasteful. Incredibly. Listen, um, 
Again, we just want to send love and prayers to the James family yes. and we're happy about Bronny and keep the light there. Also want to mm-hmm. remind you guys, you can find all your favorite NBC sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to amazon.com backslash NBC Sports. And thank you for tuning in with us for Ladies First Fridays. We love you, Zena. Thank you for joining me. And guess what? Zena and I will be back on Monday. Have yes. a great weekend, y'all. Have a great weekend. Enjoy it. Bye, Nat. Later. <laughs> At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all-new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.